Christmas. Raise your hand if you're all completely done and ready for Christmas. We wanna know who to be mad at today. Okay, awesome. Well, we're excited. Welcome to service this morning. And today's a special service. It's carols and communion. And so we're gonna have a special time together. Before we jump in the message, I do wanna look on the other side of that screen and say a big hello to all that may be joining us online. And those of you that are joining us at one of the prisons through the streaming of the iPads, or maybe you're at Belize Central Prison or CCNO at our jail campus, we believe in you and we send our Christmas greetings and wishes to you. Come on, church. Can you help welcome our family? We love y'all. Well, the title of today's message is this. It's the spirit of Christmas. The spirit of Christmas. I wonder if I got to ask each of you individually what you would say is the true spirit of Christmas. Maybe we would all probably use different things to describe what we thought the spirit of Christmas was. Maybe we would use and describe it as the time we get together with family. We travel and we have our extended family and we spend extra time together as a family and you'd say that's the spirit of Christmas. Or or maybe you'd say it's the gift giving where we get a chance to show love to each other through the giving of gifts, and that's the spirit of Christmas. You know, Pastor Kyle just told me this week, hey, don't buy me anything for Christmas. I already bought myself my gift. To which I said, no problem, thumbs up on that. I go, actually, I also already bought myself my gift, and I still want you to get me something. (laughs) The true spirit of Christmas. And so I'm not joking about that either. I do mean that. And so the spirit of Christmas, what would you describe? Is it the Hallmark movies? Is it the trees and the lights and the hot chocolate and the the, the singing of carols? I don't know how you would describe the spirit of Christmas, but I wanted to take a moment this morning and tell you what the true spirit of Christmas is based off the word of God. And it can be summed up in one word and that word is worship. Everywhere you go to in scripture, when somebody would encounter the Christmas story, everywhere you look in scripture, their response was always one thing and it was worship. Anytime somebody encountered the story of Jesus coming as savior, their response, and it was the only appropriate response, it was worship. In fact, if you go to Luke chapter one and you start reading the Christmas story, you're gonna meet a woman named Mary, whom probably everyone in this room and watching online will recognize that name. And Mary was to be the mother of Jesus. And when the angel came and gave Mary the news about the Christmas story, her response was worship. And then the Bible tells us in Luke chapter one that Mary immediately went to find her cousin Elizabeth. And she begins to tell Elizabeth the story and the the Bible tells us as soon as Mary walked in, Elizabeth began to worship. And then we find out in Luke chapter two that there's shepherds in the field and the angel comes to give the good news of the Christmas story and immediately a host from heaven, the Bible says, angels surrounded and began to worship. And then the shepherds they had just given the Christmas story to, they left immediately to go find this baby in a manger, just as the angel had said. And their first response when they found Jesus was to worship. And then eight days later, if you keep reading the story, eight days later, Joseph and Mary take Jesus to the temple as would have been custom and tradition to dedicate him. And as soon as they walk in the temple, the Bible tells us a devout and godly man by the name of Simeon realizes led by the spirit that the Messiah is in the temple. He finds Jesus and his first response 
is to worship him. And then in the temple, in the temple on that same day, the Bible tells us there's a widow, an 84-year-old widow named Anna, who was a prophet. And she's in the temple and she's been fasting and praying, waiting for the Christmas story to begin, for the Messiah to come. And she walks and she encounters Jesus and her immediate response was to worship. Then you get to Matthew chapter two and you're gonna be introduced to what we call the wise men. You probably know the story. And the wise men in the east, they see a star in the sky and led by the spirit, they go to find Jesus across the desert for one reason and one reason alone and that was to worship. And then even ungodly people in scripture, even unbelievers knew that the appropriate response to the Christmas story was worship. I'll give you the example and that's King Herod. Because in Matthew chapter two, the wise men encounter King Herod who is not a believer, he's not a good guy. He hears that the Christmas story has started, that a Messiah, a king of the Jews has come. And he says to the Magi, to the wise men, tell me where he is so I too may go worship. Now he had no intentions of worshiping, but even he, an unbeliever, knew that the right response to the Christmas story was to worship. And so here's why I'm bringing this word today, because I would hate for myself, my family, and us as a church to rush past this season, get all the way past Christmas and realize we didn't do the one thing that God needed, the one thing that God wanted, the most appropriate thing that we could respond to the Christmas story to, with, and that is our worship. That the right response, the true spirit of Christmas, it's worship. And so I wanna encourage us and stir it within us this season so that we can respond to God in a way that he's due of honor and praise and worship. And so I wanna share the story. The best example I do believe in the Christmas story of worship is the wise men. And I wanna share their story together today. And so let's read the passage together. Matthew chapter two, verses one through 12. And it says this. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, the Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born the King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we've come to worship him. And when King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Let me pause right there. I just wanna give you some historical context. Now, when you picture the wise men, I'm assuming you're picturing what is in your nativity scene at home. Now, I'm not asking you to go home and throw away your nativity scene. You can keep it, but I need you to know it's wrong. It's actually totally wrong. Nothing about it is right. And by that, here's the reason I wanna say that. It wasn't three kings on camels that rode into Jerusalem to the manger where Jesus was a baby. That's not what happened just now in this story. In fact, historically and culturally, when it says the Magi, also known as wise men, both translations will use a different word there. When they, when they traveled, historically what we know is they would have traveled 50 plus. There were more than 50 wise men. Not only that, with them, they would have had noblemen with them. They, had been they would be coming from Persia, from the east to the west. Not only would they have noblemen with them, the, the, historically what we would know is they would likely have a cavalry of possibly a thousand plus mounted soldiers on horses traveling with them. So when you picture the story of wise men that are traveling to go worship Jesus, please don't picture three guys on camels. I need you to picture the entourage that would have been coming with them 
them from the east to the west, there would have been hundreds, if not thousands, that had mounted up to head off and worship Jesus. That's what we're seeing. Three guys on camels will not cause a stir in Jerusalem when they ride in that day. Now, three guys on camels riding into defiance today, it's gonna make the news. But then that would not have been weird. That wouldn't have caused a disturbance. A whole entourage has rode into Jerusalem in this moment and Herod does not like it. And watch what happens. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And then it says, when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. And then right here, they're gonna give the prophecy from Micah chapter five. It says, in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and he said, go search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go worship him. Again, he knew the right response and that was worship. It wasn't what he intended to do. It's about this time in history that he sends out an edict that every firstborn male to and under was to be killed. He wanted to make sure this king couldn't actually come take his place. And it says, after they had heard the king, They went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went on ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, again, it wasn't at the manger at the birth. This could be 18 months to two years. So Jesus is a toddler and they're living in a house now. They saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The spirit of Christmas, the right response to the Christmas story we can see from the wise men, and that was to worship. And I wanna show you three things we can learn from the wise men about worship today, and I hope it encourages you. And it's this, the first one is this, number one, their worship was sacrificial. Matthew chapter two, verses one through two, again, look back. It said, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the, kings of King Her- in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem asking, where is he that has been born the king of the Jews? What you need to understand is their worship was sacrificial. In other words, it was gonna require a personal sacrifice for them to make it to the west to worship Jesus. You see, they are over 800 miles away from where Jesus is. So when they see this sign that God has given them, they are pagan astrologers. That's what the wise men were. They were pagan astrologers 800 miles away and now they've seen a sign in the sky. I love, the side note, I love how God uses a sign that they would understand. God knows how to speak to you. Can I just say that over you? God, stop looking at things that are so unfamiliar. Look into what's already familiar to you. I bet God's trying to speak to you through that because he'll use what you're familiar with to speak to you. And here's these astrologers. They look to the stars. They interpret dreams. That's what they do. They were like the religious men of Persia, just as the Levites were to Israel. That's what they were. They were Gentile. They were pagan, but that's what they did. And so they see a sign in the sky 
And not only that, but we may ask ourselves, how in the world and why would magi from the East, pagan astrologers, even how would they know to go what that sign meant and how to go to Jerusalem and find Jesus, the Messiah? Well, if you go back to the book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter two, what we can learn from biblically speaking, Daniel was put in charge, that's another place we see wise men, because Daniel was put in charge over the wise men. There's no doubt a godly man like Daniel wouldn't have shared the prophetic messianic prophecies with these wise men, and it got passed down from generation to generation until finally God brings out the sign. They see the glory of God shining from 800 miles away, and they have have a promise that they've been taught from generation to generation and they decide we need to go worship him. And so they mount up a thousand strong plus, they get on their horses, they ride not days, not hours, they didn't hop on the plane, they didn't catch Uber, they didn't have a way. No, they had to mount on these horses and go across a desert for weeks to months to get to Jesus just to do one thing, worship him. It was due the honor they knew. This is what you do for the king. You go and you worship him. And they travel all this way. Their worship required sacrifice. It would have cost them money to get across that desert. They had to feed the horses. They had to set up camp and tear down camp. They had to go through the heat. They, were, they had intruders around them that they had to be saved from. There was a lot going on. It was going to cost them something to get to to Bethlehem to worship Jesus. And I just want you to, to know today, is your worship will cost you something. And we have to be careful because so often, in the, if you're like me, I didn't want to come out just because it was raining today. <laughs> I only live five miles away. I had the question. In fact, I had to come because I'm preaching. But can we be honest for a minute? Sometimes we just want to worship when it's convenient, when it's not going to cost me a lot, when I feel like it. But the truth is, it's going to cost us something to worship. There's going to be a personal sacrifice we each make in order to worship. And that's exactly what the wise men did. In fact, not only did it cost them something to get all that way to King Jesus to worship him, when they got there, they didn't come empty handed. Look at it, Matthew chapter two, back in verse 11. In the second part of that verse, it said, then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. I don't have enough time to just teach you prophetically what those gifts could have represented, but they were represented that, that Jesus was human, that Jesus was God, and then myrrh was what you use for burial, to prepare for burial. That was a prophetic sign that he would die, be buried, and raised again. Those gifts were even prophetic. They, they would not have known that, and sometimes the worship we're offering and the offerings we bring, we don't even know the full extent of what we're sowing into the future. And that's exactly what those wise men were doing. They brought their best offering. They didn't come empty handed. They paid the price. They sacrificed what needed sacrifice to make sure they got where they needed to be to worship the king. And they didn't come empty handed. They brought their offerings with them. I'm encouraged by King David. Nobody knew this better than King David. And in 2 Samuel, I wanna show you the verse. I learned it 20 years ago. It has stuck with me since, and it reminds me and encourages me weekly of this 
that my worship is gonna require personal sacrifice and it has to cost me something. And in 2 Samuel chapter 24 with King David, he wants to make a, an offering. That's what they would do. They would make sacrifices as worship unto the Lord. And he wants to do it in repentance for the people. And so he goes to a landowner, David does, and he says to the landowner, I wanna pay you for the threshing floor so that I can make an offering and worship my God. The landowner answers David and he says back to David, you don't have to pay me. I'll give you the threshing floor that you need. In fact, I'll give you all of the oxen you need to make the sacrifice. I'll even give you the wood that you need. I'll give it all to you for free. It won't cost you anything. Let me just give you what you need and you can worship God with it. Look how David answers that. In 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, King David says, but the king replied, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. He said, I don't wanna do it for free. This needs to cost me something. I wanna sacrifice. No, I'm not gonna offer God worship that costs me nothing. I'm just challenging you as I'm challenging myself. How many times do you offer worship that costs you nothing? Was it warm enough? Was it cold enough? Was it loud enough? Was it too loud? Did I like the song? Did I not like the song? Did I feel like it today? Did I not feel like it? How many miles am I gonna have to go to get there? Here's what I know. For some of you, it costs you a lot to be here to worship today. Some of you may have got a diagnosis this week you weren't expecting and you didn't feel like worshiping and you had to get pushed through your own emotions and feelings and your doubts and your fears, but here you are and your worship has cost you something today. Some of you all hell broke loose in your house this morning just to get here. Your family went crazy. Mine does every Sunday. And it costs you something to make your way. I know for a fact there's at least one, if not more, single moms in this room right now that had to go put their last dollars in their gas tank to drive 40 miles to get here to worship. It costs them everything everything to be here to worship God and I'm simply pointing out the lesson from the wise men we're not going to offer worship that costs us nothing it's going to take sacrifice it's going to take a personal sacrifice on my part to be able to worship God on at, at different times in my life and the wise men teach us that here's the second thing the wise men teach us number two their worship was expressive it was expressive. Matthew chapter two, verses 10 through 11 said this. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. Well, let me pause there because I, I, I have to ask the question. Well, how did you know they were overjoyed? How would you know? Well, likely they expressed it, right? There was something that was expressive. Have you ever met the person and, and you have an encounter with them and they're like, you know, when you first encounter them, you think they're the grumpiest person you've ever met? Don't point to them right now. Just know, like, you know, like, just like, you're like, man, they're hating this. I ha this happens to us when we preach all the time. Half of you look like you're mad to be here. And so, and so we'll just let, you know, you have that encounter and then, then they'll tell you, man, that was the best thing ever. Sometimes I want to say, you should tell the rest of you that. Tell your face that. They were expressing their joy. It wasn't that they weren't tired. They had just traveled for months. 
it wasn't that they weren't hot or hungry. They had like all the things, but they expressed their joy. They were overjoyed, the Bible said. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Their worship was expressive. What was happening on the inside of them, they expressed on the outside. There was some way that they were able to express what God was doing on the inside of them. And God even tells us what we can do. And I'm gonna share it with you in just a minute, but I wanna point out one more thing about the wise men. I thought about this this week. The wise men didn't even fully know the gospel story yet. All they knew was a sign and a promise, and they followed it until they found him. And then they worshiped like they did. They gave their best. They sacrificed it all. They expressed their worship, and they didn't even know the full story. They didn't know Jesus was gonna die on the cross. They didn't know that he was gonna pay for their sin. They didn't yet know that they were gonna spend eternity with him in heaven. They didn't know that he was gonna come back again and still is to rule and reign and change everything and take away every, everything that's wrong on earth. They, they didn't have the full story. You and I do. Don't you think our worship should reflect that? If they could worship without the full story, Imagine how we should worship with the full story. I already know that Jesus paid for my sin. I already know that I'm gonna spend eternity with him. I already know that I don't deserve what he did for me. I already know that he paid a debt he did not owe. I already know that he sacrificed it all to come and rescue me. I already know that. So you can be sure that I want my worship to express what I already know that God's done for me. I'll even show you, you know, if you come, maybe it's your first time in this church or you've been a few times and you might be thinking to yourself, why do they lift their hands? Why do they clap? Why do they shout like that? Why do they sing? Why, why do you do all that? Well, I would just answer it like this because God likes it and God asked us to. And so I wanna show you some of these verses because if you ask yourself, how can I express my worship? Here's some ways God says that we can in his word. Psalms chapter 30 verse four says, sing to the Lord all you godly ones. It doesn't say sing if you know the song or sing if you can stay on tune. Pastor Kyle doesn't know any of that. And he still sings. You should sit by him. I will trade you spots for one Sunday. Psalms 47, verse one, come, clap your hands. Psalms, 149, or Psalms 47, verse one again, shout to God with a joyful praise. Psalms 149, verse three, praise his name with dancing. Psalms 134, verse two, lift up your hands in the sanctuary. That's why we do it. God asked for it. We're expressing worship to him. Psalms 95, verse six, come, let us bow down in worship. That's what the wise men did. Acts chapter four, verse 24, when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer. I'm not saying that we run around the room if we come to worship together, you go running around the room. If you do that, you will be tackled by security if I don't get to you first. I'm not saying be distractive and draw attention to yourself. That's not what we're doing. We're pointing, we're deflecting glory to God. That's all we're doing when we worship. We are, we're expressing our love and devotion to God. We're de deflecting glory and attention off ourselves and onto God. That's what worship is about. That's what the wise men did. I can remember 20 plus years ago when I was 
just starting to follow the Lord. And I can remember looking at people around me, especially at church. And I remember thinking to myself, I wish I loved God like they do. Have you ever thought that? I wish I loved God like they do. Well, if you think about that, there must've been some way they're expressing their love to God that was obvious to you. In other words, it should be obvious. To be honest, the worst compliment or, or comment that anybody has ever made to me is, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. <laughs> mm, take the knife out of my back. Why didn't you know? It, maybe if you only knew me for hours or maybe a day or two, but if you're around me enough, there should be something about my life that expresses my worship to King Jesus that that is who I serve and that is who I'm devoted to and that is who I love. There's something that expresses that. And I remember thinking that about other people, that's what I want. And so all I knew to do was start doing what they did. Well, if that's what you do when you love God, I'm in. So if they read their Bible every morning, I read my Bible every morning. If they would pray for other people, I started praying for other people. If they would lift their hands in worship, I started lifting my hands in worship. If I saw them sharing Christ with coworkers, I started to share Christ with, I started to do what they did. And can I tell you, eventually I loved God like they did. Something in me just happened that caused me to love God like they did because I expressed it. I started to learn that if I could express my worship to God, Something happens, and that's what I wanna give you on point three. It's this, number three, what we learned from the wise men, their worship changed things. You can't come worship Jesus and leave the same. Never. You might feel, you might go back to the same circumstance sometimes. You might feel the same, but I promise you, you can't come worship, you can't pay the price to worship express it like God likes it, and not leave changed. It doesn't happen. And I wanna encourage you with that today. You're, you will change, I will change. My circumstances could change. Sometimes I think we spend too much time trying to figure out how to change our circumstances when really what we should do is just worship. Let me just get to the presence of God. Let me just bow in his presence. Let me lift my hands. Let me give him shouts of praise. Let me clap. I don't care what I feel like. Let me lift my worship to God and watch what he does with your circumstance. Stop trying to figure it out yourself. He doesn't need you to do that. Back off and worship. Worship him. Just worship him. Just worship him. The wise men. They saw the sign in the sky, 800 miles away. They saw the glory of God. Interesting fact, in Jerusalem, all the religious leaders and the scribes and the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were only four and a half miles away from Bethlehem and they did not see the sign. Why is that? <laughs> because the wise men had postured their heart to worship. I'm gonna worship God no matter what it costs me and they had postured their heart to worship so they saw the sign. But then when they got, they got close, they still needed some help. Remember, they had to stop in Jerusalem. And then the Pharisees and the, the religious leaders who were only concerned about tradition and rituals and themselves. And so then they had to tell these magi, these wise men, no, you, the prophecy says go to Bethlehem. 
And so the Magi had to receive from somebody else like what to do next. They didn't know what to do next. Somebody had to teach them and that's okay. So they're in Jerusalem and, and now they've been taught. And interestingly enough, the religious leaders, four and a half miles was the journey left. Nobody else made it but the wise men. Even though there was a sign, there was a prophecy, God's presence was waiting and not everybody would pay the cost to go seek it. But they did and they get to, to Bethlehem. They worship God. Remember, things change after you worship. They worshiped God and look what this says, Matthew chapter two, verse 12. After, so now they've worshiped God and then it says, after having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they, the wise men, returned to their country by another route. I loved seeing this this week. You know what I saw? After they worshiped, God spoke to them himself. Nobody had to tell them what to do next. Nobody had to teach them. Suddenly, because they got in the presence of Jesus and they just worshiped, suddenly they started to hear and see spiritual realities that they weren't before. Suddenly they were changed and now God was speaking to them themselves. And if you've ever thought, I wish God would speak to me, I'm just telling you, do this, worship. Okay, worship, worship and watch what God does in you. Watch what God does through you. Watch what God can do around you. You see that day the wise men brought that offering, that offering was gonna protect the gospel. It was gonna prevent, Joseph and Mary were poor. That offering was gonna be used then to protect Jesus and get him away from Herod so that the enemy didn't stop the plan of Christmas. It also was gonna help those wise men to get away from Herod and be protected. And now they could hear from God themselves. Worship changes everything, everything. But it's gonna cost you something. And I recommend that we all do our best to not keep offering God something that costs us nothing. But let's make the personal sacrifice, whatever that is, God will show you. Make the personal sacrifice. Learn to express your love and devotion to God. I'm not asking you to go outside your personality. I'm just asking you to take another step. Just take another step towards God and you watch him step towards you. And then watch as God changes something in you and he has the ability to change the circumstances in front of you. The true spirit of Christmas, the only appropriate response this season it's worship. May we all participate in it. Would you pray with me this morning? I wanna speak as we get ready. We're gonna prepare our hearts for communion today and we're gonna worship God. We're gonna give an opportunity to put this message in our hearts that God has spoke to us into action. And I just wanna speak to some of you that you would say you've never, you've never really given your, surrendered your whole heart to Jesus that you couldn't call yourself with confidence a Christ follower, that you've never asked him to forgive you of your sin, you've never received his gift of salvation, or maybe you did it one time, but you've long walked away from him and you've been a part of the world for too long. This moment is just for you. 
And I wanna encourage you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus, this is your moment and this is your chance to surrender all to Him and let Him do the work that He wants to do in your life. And so if that's you in the room or online, would you just lift your hand right where you are? I'm not asking you to come forward or move. Just lift your hand towards heaven. You're just responding to God saying, I wanna give you my life today. I wanna surrender my life today. And so right where you are, if you have your hands lifted, right where you are, pray this in your heart. Today, Jesus, I choose you. I give you my life. I repent of my sin and I receive your grace today. Wash my heart clean today. Fill me with your spirit and show me how to live. I will follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Come on, can we give Jesus praise this morning?